Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. Coming up on today's episode we are thinking about masters, distance learning masters part-time to be specific. There's so much to gain and I am joined by a student who is completing his qualification as well. Hope you will find it so useful. Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. I am Dr. Marianne Trent and I'm a qualified clinical psychologist. Really lovely to have you here. Thank you to those of you who are regular listeners and a big welcome to you if you are a brand new listener or watcher. If you are watching this on YouTube, please do take a moment to subscribe to the channel, like some content and fling around some lovely comments too. That would be marvellous. If you are listening as an MP3, please do consider liking, rating and reviewing on Spotify and Apple. That would be so appreciated. So when I was an aspiring psychologist, I took the decision to do a master's. And at the time, it was quite radical to do it kind of mainly distance learning. And I know that is more common. Um, People often ask me, well, should I do a master's? What sort of master's should I do? And so today we're looking at that. And I hope you'll find the episode really interesting. And it might give you some ideas and some options how to pick the right sort of masters to blend around your life so that you can thrive, not just survive as an aspiring psychologist or mental health professional. Hope you find it useful and I'll look forward to catching up with you on the other side. So, um, Gavin, it's lovely to have you here. Thank you for reaching out to me. I know that you heard me talk on the British Psychological Society keynote. So that's how I think I came to your attention. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for joining me. No, my pleasure. Uh, I I listened to you on that um, keynote and it, you just came across really engaging, really, really kind of, uh, kind of inspiring. Um, and that always piques my interest. I like people that that come across in that way. So I started checking you out and, and yeah, as you say, I reached out and, and here we are. Here we are indeed. And I was intrigued by you um, because I don't think we have chatted to super loads of men on this podcast. So it's always nice to get um, a masculine narrative. But also you shared with me a number of kind of difficult factors that make your journey in psychology that bit trickier. Before we go through some of those, could you tell us what your current state of play is in terms of career and where you might want to get to? Yeah, so I currently work for a a large organisation. It's my, my kind of day job. I'm a compliance manager, which is effectively looking at what the kind of frontline people do, so what people do with customers, and whether that's being done in the right way and whether we're getting the right sort of outcomes for customers. I have a few kind of speciality areas within that in that I 
I can look at a specific population of customers in particular, which is the customers that are defined. I don't really like this definition, but vulnerable customers, which is a, a kind of regulatory definition, which basically means customers that need a bit more help. Um, so I'm quite passionate in that area anyway, kind of links into my own experiences as well. And then I also do um, a couple of podcasts now, actually. So uh, I will plug them. Uh, one is the, the Safe Place podcast, which is my main one. Um, and then another one was a brand new one that we're just starting up, which is called Disabling Me, which is a, a kind of ironic take on life as a person with disabilities. Also gives you a little bit of flavor of what I might have experienced as well, which I know we'll touch on. Great. And you're also... Uh, and obviously my my kind of career trajectory um, is now thinking about what I want to do next and what I want to do for the rest of my career. So I'm slightly older in age, which you might be able to tell by some of the gray hair. Um so I, I'm kind of nearing 40. I've had a couple of career changes uh, in my my career to date. One that I should have made a lot earlier was was this move to, towards psychology. Um, it feels the most appropriate for me um, in, in multiple ways, but particularly it feels most appropriate for the kind of good-natured element of, of kind of who I am. I feel I am and and who I want to be as well. So that's kind of what drives me to to move forward with that too. Great, thank you. And you're uh, studying for an MSc in psychology at the moment as well. Is that right? I am. Yeah. So I, I've I've actually got an essay in in a couple of weeks' time. So it's very stressful um, at at the moment, as I'm sure many will remember. Uh, in my second year, I'm doing it part time online uh, through the University of uh, of Derby. Um, so. Yeah, lots going on, and then just thrown into the mix. Uh, we've had our second child recently, who is about eight weeks old currently. Um, so yeah, lots, lots going on. Lots of, lots of exciting. Oh things gosh, too. well, congratulations, and I hope that um, I hope your Thank second you. child is thriving and fitting into family life um, as well as can be expected. Um, and yeah. how many years is your is your part time MSc? Are you expecting to finish at the end of this year? So the end of next year uh, that I should finish it. So this year is the kind of end of the bulk of teaching modules. Um, and then I'll have a year doing the, um, the research um, elements of it. Um, interested to kind of see how, how that's going to work. And then obviously it's on to then applying for, for Declan is, is, is what I'm looking at, at applying for. So okay. we'll have all that to, to look can forward to. Can I ask to. a slightly nosy question? Because I know that our audience might be wondering as well. In terms of um, tuition fees for part-time masters, do they literally just sort of take the 9,000 split it across three years or do they not work quite like that? So it depends, as with all these things. Um, so you can either pay it up front and you get a bit of a discount if you do if you do that. Most people aren't in that position. I would say that's mainly either if you're just very fortunate um, in that you've got a spare 10 grand uh, kind of sitting around. Let's be honest, that's pretty rare these days. Um, or potentially if you're getting sponsored by by your employer, they might, they might kind of um, pay for it. Um, but again, unless you're kind of already in that broader field, probably not going to happen. Or then there's the kind of population that I'm in where I'm self-funding, um, I actually use a kind of mixture of, of earnings because uh, I'm in a fortunate position in that way, mixed with um, a bit of uh, support from the student loan company. And it's paid out, um, I pay it monthly actually, so I pay uh, a kind of split across the uh, what will be three years, 
um, and you just pay uh, 200 and something pounds uh, a month that, that I pay and then the kind of student loan come, comes in quarters but there's lots of different ways of paying it I find personally the most easy for me to budget and the most easy for me to kind of keep going with and and just know what's what what what's kind of going out um, is that that monthly that monthly bit partly because if it's three monthly I'm liable to forget and I suddenly have this big bill to, to go out so I, I choose to do it monthly. Thank you so much for that context and it sounds like you're actually able to be quite flexible in terms of what works for you so you get a salary so actually man- monthly usually works better for you. Exactly yeah. yeah and I think that's that, that it's an important thing to to kind of make sure people really understand because any form of of kind of postgraduate study often seems really unaccessible but there are lots of ways now so yeah it's actually better than my um my first kind of postgraduate study so i studied law uh, gosh about 10 years ago makes me feel very old um but yeah i studied law about 10 years ago and that was postgraduate study all self-funded and there wasn't really the kind of student loan support back then in the way that there is now. So it's not ideal. It's never ideal to have to self-fund, but there are many more options now to um, to kind of get through different different forms of study postgraduate. And in my view, it's, it's worthwhile doing. Thank you. So I would be imagining that you're doing what's called a conversion master's, which needs to be accredited by the British Psychological Society. Is that right, Gavin? It is, yeah, yeah. Could you tell us a bit about that? So if someone's like, I don't know any of the words that Marianne just said, could you tell us what that is and why that's important? British Psychological Society obviously is the the kind of body that sits around psychologists to to make sure that people are doing the the right jobs in the right way with the right qualifications. Uh, There's lots of other stuff that they do as well, but yeah, let's focus on, on that element. And to to make your way through the the process to become a, a psychologist in whichever way that you're that you're kind of going to do it, you need to get through accredited courses. So the BPS um, accredit certain courses that meet certain criteria um, in universities. Uh, University of Derby, where I am, is one of those that's online accredited. There's not that many that are online accredited, so it is it is a, a bit of a kind of slim pickings out there. But fortunately, Derby's very good anyway for psychology, so I'm, I'm kind of fortunate in that. Um, and then you can also do it obviously face to face, depending on your your personal situation. That then allows you once you've completed that to get what's called graduate basis um, uh, within the BPS, which then allows you to go on to your kind of next stage of applying for whichever route you choose to apply for so it could be another master's it could be um so it could be a health psychology master's as an example you could be looking at educational psychology clinical psychology being the one that i think most people uh, are probably aware of and, and looking at um but you need to go through that process otherwise you'd have gone through it doing your your undergraduate degree which again would need to be a bps um uh, kind of accredited course and it gives you a similar sort of status um through and that gets you to that graduate it's just that it's at a master's level because i've already studied in my case i've already studied a couple of different degrees and and, and stuff in the past um so yeah it's just a slightly different route into to getting ultimately to the same position as doing an undergrad great thank you so much for clarifying that for our listeners because um i know that as you say the accreditation for the undergrad is really important to be able to get that graduate basis but actually the masters 
there's not you don't have if you if you've already got your graduate basis undergrad you don't technically have to do an accredited bps masters it's kind of it might be nice to exactly. have but it's not an essential but if you don't have the um, undergrad gbr already you do need to do the conversion masters yeah and it, it's it's similar in a few different professions so law has a similar thing in that you have to go through a conversion course if your undergraduate wasn't in law it's the same thing in psychology it's making sure that everybody has got that base level of skills to go on to the next stage and it's in that kind of controlled function of being an, an accreditation uh, kind of process so it, it makes a lot of sense it, it does mean that you've got a lot more academia to go through um, than than some other routes in life, but yeah, again, it, it makes relative sense for that 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 to be the case in psychology and you know uh, law and uh, accountancy even has got a similar sort of thing. So there's lots of lots of different um, routes that you have to take. Great, and if someone's thinking, oh, I might quite fancy a part time distance learning masters wonder what that involves what does it look like day to day week to week month to month gavin so i'm quite lucky um and i say that was a slight rise smile for those of you that aren't watching um because in many ways i'm i'm kind of not so lucky but in in this context i'm quite lucky really because I have flexibility in my job, which means that I work a condensed week. So I work four days um, in my kind of day job. Then I have Fridays, which are predominantly focused on me doing my study. Sounds really simple. Um, it's never quite that simple. So you need roughly 20 hours a week to, to be able to kind of get through the course content, all the other reading, you know, to start thinking about essays and, and, and the like. Um, so that's if you're doing it part-time in the same way that I'm doing it. You can also do an accelerated course, uh, which is basically twice the amount. So you do two modules, which means that you need 40 hours a week. So if you think about it, that is pretty much working a full-time job uh, there or thereabouts for most people um, just on your study. So one of the things that I would always express to, to everybody is that before you go into any form of additional study whilst you're working, even part-time, I mean, I, I remember in my in my kind of law studies, I worked part-time in HMV and thought that would be easy. It'd be, yeah, it's it's going to be absolutely fine. It was an absolute slog. Um, I was working in, in, in retail stores, loving it because it was HMV and I love music and I love film and, and all that sort of stuff. And I was enjoying my legal studies as well because the academic side is really interesting. Um, but it's a lot of work to kind of go through. So you really need to think about it before you kind of go out, go out there and go, right, I'm going to do a master's. First of all, think masters is quite an undertaking no matter how you're doing it it's a lot of study it's a lot of thoughts a lot of making sure that you've got a structured environment to, to work through and that you're able to give your best um kind of best chance of of, of kind of succeeding well um in that masters and then you just got to think about your time so have you realistically got 20 hours a week that you can not just kind of sit down whilst you're watching TV and, and kind of study, but actually really sit down and properly study. You've got to digest the information. You've got to have some way of trying to get that memory recall going on. Um, otherwise, 
it's great to read it once, but it's probably not going to go in. So it's a lot of work, um, but it's incredibly interesting. Um, I've learned loads about myself in doing it. So my my last module was pain psychology. It's probably worth just saying at, at, at this point. So one of the things that that I kind of live with is a condition called complex regional pain syndrome, which is a relatively rare uh, pain syndrome. It's kind of known as, I mean, there's lots of different names for it. To put it into context, one of those is the suicide disease because there's a high prevalence. Uh, this is kind of a global thing, a high prevalence of suicide because it's just so extremely painful. Um, there's a really good documentary uh, on Netflix that is uh, taking care of Maya that gives you a, a good kind of context of what it is like to live with the condition, a bit more about it, but also some of the kind of medical stuff that, that goes on. So I had the opportunity then to actually study what it was that was going on from a psychological standpoint and a certain amount of the kind of medical stuff as well because pain psychology you've got to understand a little bit about it um on the other side designed a website that 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 was um that was all about crps and that was the the kind of assessments a slightly different assessment style um and just learned lots about the condition that i live with the nature of pain the sorts of things that i could possibly do to to kind of help myself and and kind of help work through and just pure coincidence i was also going through a pain um, management clinic uh, which uh, is basically where you've got a health psychologist a physiotherapist um sort of a, a kind of anesthesiologist in the background and then usually a kind of pain specialist nurse that are helping you to uh, understand pain, understand how to to live with it, and and to to kind of manage your own your own symptoms. So, in that period, I had all those things going on at once. Now, that's a lot. It was, you know, there was a lot to go through. There was a lot of things to think about, and all, and and to just just deal with. But it gave me more insight than I would have ever otherwise have gotten. So for me, even if I was to have done nothing else with the Masters, for me, that would have been so fulfilling um, that actually it was worth it um, anyway uh, for me. So I'm kind of now looking at the rest of the Masters as that it's all just a bonus um, for me, which is a fortunate position to be in, despite the, uh, the, the kind of not so fortunate condition to live with. Yeah, and I guess there's something around us being the wounded healers, isn't there? And actually we learn so much about ourselves and then also how to help others from the stuff that we're being taught and then learning how to apply and work through with others totally and and it's i i think there's a really it's a real place for lived experience in in psychology so and and what i kind of mean by that is that understanding it from a kind of textbook perspective is 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 brilliant and obviously it helps hundreds and thousands of people um across the uh, across the, the kind of uk certainly probably more than that um I, I should know the stats really but i don't um yeah it, it there's there's this kind of help that way but then you've got a, another level where you can bring your own experiences to things and i think we see this across the board in that when people go from having no children to having children, you you have a different mindset about what that experience is. So you may have been thinking, oh, it's, it can't be that bad to to have, have very little sleep for, for eight weeks. It can't be that bad to having to think about 
Father Christmas as an example and what that means and what that does. But then you then you come across it and then you start to realize that actually these things are in their own rights are little challenges to overcome. And then you as soon as you've been through that, you have that extra dimension of I guess kind of enhanced compassion is I think how I would think about it, in that you have that extra experience to give to other people that can just aid your conversations and understanding of what that person might be going through with the acknowledgement that actually everybody is individual, everybody's experiences are their own, and you always have to keep that in your mind. But it does give that sense of relatability and that sense of understanding, and it kind of gives you a hurdle up, which is a slightly ironic thing as a wheelchair user, um, getting a hurdle up because we can't do steps. Um, but it gives you that, that, that extra dimension to kind of talk to and, and ultimately for me to help people. Um, and that, that's where um, I think I'll be able to add good value to, to people's experiences. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think the longer and longer we're fortunate enough to carry on walking or wheeling around on this earth, the more and more we learn and the more hopefully authentic it makes us and our ability to kind of interact and engage with people. And I think certainly when I was younger, it felt like I was sort of putting on my psychology jacket, and you know, being able to then use those skills in a certain way with people. But actually, the longer my career has gone on, you know, my professional self and normal self are very much more blurred. And it's, you know, I am just, I'm just myself, really. And I'm the main intervention but sometimes I'll use something kind of theory based <laughs> and it's not all yeah. about me. It's definitely not. But, you know, it's always for me, I'm a person first and a psychologist second. Yeah. Yeah. Gavin, thank you so much for your time in helping us understand a bit more about um, the process of distance learning and masters and why we might want to do that. Before we finish, could you tell us a little bit about your advice for not burning out as an aspiring psychologist? So my, I've been asked this question before and, and I often ponder over it. I think ultimately it comes down to making sure that you have a degree of organization, but also ultimately being kind to yourself. So when you're feeling like you're overwhelmed, like there's too much to do, that everything is just not where it needs to be and all these things that we all do experience going through any form of learning and frankly within our own careers and 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 just our general lives it's just kind of take a take a step stop and just take a breath and understand where you are um what you're doing is already fantastic you're already taking on um some wonderful um uh, opportunities to learn and to grow and that actually that in itself is an incredible thing um to be able to say that 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 you are that you are doing and that ultimately you are achieving it so yeah be be kind to yourself um and give yourself that that kind of moment or even a day two days three days just take a breath take a break um and kind of get back to it in a refreshed and kind of more considered and mindful way so gavin you are a podcaster do you want to tell us a little bit briefly before we finish about your podcast yeah definitely so uh the main one is the safe place podcast uh, that's been around for a couple of years now uh, in in a kind of 
strictly podcast form, so I'm quite traditional on that one in that it is purely a listening podcast. I think there was one episode where I might have done it on, on video and they got scared of looking at myself. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's out there on, on Apple Podcasts. It was even in the kind of top uh, mental health podcast for, for a run um, just before Christmas last year, um, which was really quite cool. Um, and it's all about experiences. So whether that's uh, a CEO that's running an organization, uh, and kind of dealing with all the things that, that they have to deal with, uh, or if it's a person that's just had lived experience of, of living with anxiety or depression or, or other mental mental illness. We've got people with uh, uh, BPD on there. We've got people that have been through um, experience of living with cancer. We've got people on there who are psychologists in their own right um, and and are, are kind of there to to help share some of their experiences and, and give a give us another way of looking at at these things. Um, it's a really interesting show. It's done live, um, and it's it's done in a way that we hope is inviting to you to to kind of come in and and feel the the kind of warmth of of the show and and hopefully learn something new too. And then the second one is one called Disabling Me, which is a brand new podcast. Uh, I'm a co-host on it. And the whole idea around that one, that it's a social commentary show on living with disabilities. We're going to have guest hosts on there. So rather than having the kind of traditional guest, it's everybody coming on to have a conversation about different topics, different experiences, and just having a kind of warm, friendly environment to have those conversations that we just don't hear as often as as we would uh, we would like to um so we thought why not let's let's do our own version of it and, and let's get those stories out there brilliant it sounds like such important work that you're doing and of course when i say work we don't get paid for this you know we do <laughs> it's we a don't. lot of work you know when we first connected we were like these podcasts are hungry beasts but um it feels like really important work to be doing i will make sure that i'll link to both of your podcasts in our show notes and in the emails that go out if anyone wants to join my mailing list please come on over to goodthinkingpsychology.co.uk. Scroll to the bottom of that first page or any page, and I think you can join my mailing list from there. Gavin, thank you so much for your time. Where's the best place for people to find you on socials? So you've got two main options. You've got LinkedIn, which is I am Gavin Clark, and that's Clark with an E. Um, and you can find me on there. I've got a beautiful photo of me on my wedding day. Uh, with a kind of pink background and a three-piece suit with a, a lovely blue dicky bow. So uh, look out for that and be mesmerized by by how cheesy my grin was on that day. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, um, where I tend to share slightly more uh, kind of um, professional stuff, I guess, uh, but always with the mindset of, of uh, our lived experiences and some of the kind of things that are going on at the moment in the in the wider world so if you want to kind of hear about some some thoughts on those and some of the things that we can do um that's also a really good place to uh to, to follow me and to engage come and have a conversation i'd like to chat thank you so much um for speaking to me for two episodes of the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure and i've been illuminated and enjoyed both thoroughly thank you Thank you. It's been really real, real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. 
How wonderful to speak to Gavin. We do have another episode coming up with Gavin where we explore issues around his physical health and the fact that he is a wheelchair user. So if you like the sound of that, then please do listen out for that episode, which will be coming to you in the next couple of weeks. Now, I hope you found the topic about master's study useful. I'd love to know what you think about that. Do come and tell me in the Aspiring Psychologist community. Of course, like this episode, rate and review it on um, Spotify and on Apple. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, you know, like like the video and subscribe to the channel. That would be brilliant. So yeah, I would love to know what's important to you at the moment. Please do let me know. Come and follow me on my social channels. If you go to my link tree, there's Dr. Marianne Trent and it's link tree. You'll be able to find a link to that in my socials. Or if you're watching it on YouTube, you will see a QR code on screen now and you can scan that um, and then you'll be able to get to um, to my link tree where you can learn all about uh, the Clinical Psychologist Collective book, the Aspiring Psychologist Collective book, the Tricky Brain Kit and the Aspiring Psychologist membership and so much more too. Thank you so much for being part of my world. I will look forward to catching up with you for our next episode, which will be available to you from 6am on Monday. Take care. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast at your side, you'll be on your way to being qualified. It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast with Dr. Marianne Trent. My name is Diakolola Amujo. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.